Hey everyone, welcome back to National Board Conversations. This podcast is a chance for me, Eddie Santiago, to chat with National Board certified teachers from across the country. On this episode, I get the chance to speak with Shalina Warren. She's a National Board certified teacher in Washington, D.C. and an Army veteran. I speak with her about her education career and get into how she has been able to lean into her experience in the United States Army while in the classroom. She brought so much insight for this episode, so I won't hold you much longer. Here's my conversation with Shalina Warren. Selena Warren, thank you for joining me on the podcast. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well, you know. So we're going to get get into it. Uh, what is your current role, and could you give a brief intro of yourself? And then we got a few things to know a little bit more of you outside of the classroom. Sure. Um, so I'm Shalina Warren. Well, Dr. Shalina Warren now. Um, I Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long three years, so... <laughs> Definitely. But um, I teach law classes at the Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School in Washington, D.C. Um, I am the director of the Eleanor Holmes Norton Law and Public Policy Academy there. Um, I am a National Board Certified Teacher um, in Social Studies, Adolescence to Young Adulthood, and I first certified in 2013. I just started my 21st year in education um, with 13 of those years teaching at Pine Bluff School District in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So you're from Arkansas? Yes, <laughs> born and raised. All right, so what are your three favorite foods? Um, anyone that knows me would say my first favorite food would be salad. I love salad, so I don't look like a rabbit, but I guess that's <laughs> how I act. Um Cinnamon roasted pecans, weird enough, but um, I used to go in my childhood to Branson, Missouri with my family for um, relaxation and travel. And we would stop at this place called Mixed Nut Shack and I fell in love with their roasted pecans. They're not okay, but yeah. Um, To show my Arkansas roots, I love this pizza from a place called Shotgun Dan's Pizza. And then the Texas Roadhouse ribeye. Every time okay. I've never ordered anything else but their ribeye. I like it. I like it. I like it. So, what's your favorite kind of pizza? Um, it, they call it the Big Dan, but it's just the meat lovers, basically. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, <laughs> next, three songs that describe you. <sighs> um, right now, I guess I fell in love with this song called "Always" by Daniel Caesar, featuring oh, Summer good. Walker. He's good. Um, it's just a beautiful song and it it talks about unconditional love and love that is withstanding anything. So I love that. Um, Better Days by Aunt Clemens featuring Justin Timberlake. Um, Shout out to Joe Biden because he invited them for his inauguration. Um, But that song to me shows perseverance. Um, And then Stand Up by Cynthia uh, Erivo from the Harriet Tubman movie soundtrack. Like every time I hear that song, I get goosebumps, I wanna cry. But like the the song is about honoring your ancestors, focusing on activism. And that's what I'm all about as a social studies teacher. That's important. So the one sports team that has your heart and if you're not into sports, one movie you think you could recite line for line. Um, I'm going to date myself, but I would have to say 
the Seattle Supersonics. Okay. Has my heart. I, I would love. I actually went to Seattle um, two or three years ago, and they're not in existence anymore. But just being in the city when I was a kid, and I loved watching them. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, uh, Shrimp, Gary Payton, all of them. Yes, I loved the Seattle Supersonics. Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so we're gonna get into your career a little bit. Okay. Can you share why you became an educator and why you remain in the education field? Sure. Um, so I've wanted to be a teacher since I was a little girl. Um, I became a teacher for the students who were like me growing up. They were smart, but quiet. Um, I wouldn't really volunteer because it felt like I wasn't smart enough in the class. Very few teachers encouraged me, kind of felt a little invisible to some teachers. And those teachers actually taught me how not to be as a teacher. And I remain in the education field because of my students. I mean, they teach me so much. Um, over the years, I've learned so much from my students, but a few, like one of my students who passed away, the late Richard Van Gore, um, encouraged me to keep pushing students to the next level. So that influence has made a difference in my life. So what do you enjoy most about being a teacher? I'm assuming this, I'm going to say it's just, guess it's your students. Yes, <laughs> mostly the connection with my students, the love that we share over the 21 years. This is starting my 21st year. So the love that we share is nothing like I've ever experienced outside of my familial love. But my students love me. I love them. They're fiercely protective of me, which warms my heart. Um, and then I still have students coming back year after year telling me, you know, what impact I've had on them. And then I can share how they have impacted me as a teacher. They love Ms. Warren. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So 21 years in education and now you're a national board certified teacher. What put you to pursue board certification and what was your journey like? Did you achieve on your first try? I did not. Um, so at the time, I had been teaching in Arkansas for about three years um, when I first heard about um, board certification. And I knew I was doing the things that a board certified teacher would do, um, like having students discuss their rights using primary sources and collaborating with English teachers um, to, for letters to the editor of my students. Um, so it was a no brainer. Then I found out that Arkansas gave a $5,000 bonus to uh, those who achieved. So my journey was long. I had trouble capturing and writing about what I did in the classroom, which caused me to not achieve the first time around, but eventually I did. So I'm excited about that. So what was the most helpful coaching conversation resource or for piece of advice you received while on your journey? Um, so eventually I joined a um, national board candidate cohort at a local college for support. And I had a mentor at my school who was pushing me to be national board certified. She had already achieved. Um, and so she read my entries and gave me feedback. Um, but I would say the best advice I received was to have a non-educator give me feedback to make sure that my entry was actually clear, concise, and convincing because they're not actually in the classroom, not a teacher. So they would see the, the um, loopholes that were there 
that were glaring to them, but not necessarily to me because it was familiar. Yeah, familiar to me. Yeah, it's like a, a two set of eyes thing. You know, it's you, yes. you're always going to see something you didn't. Yes. So how did becoming an MBCT impact your career? Um, well, it definitely taught me perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it opened up doors for me in education. I was able to present. Um, it presented different opportunities uh, to um, establish my knowledge to a multitude of audiences, um, local, state, and national. And then, of course, my students and my colleagues were very proud of me when I achieved. So that made me feel, you know, um, good because I'm able to show them lifelong learning. There's so much to learn and so much to know outside of the classroom and inside. So were you able to, like, incorporate your students into your journey? Yes. Um, they were a part of my videos. They were all in the writing. Um, I think right before... Um, in one of my entries, I actually had them kind of read over the entry so that they could see, you know, and they saw their names. Oh, you're talking about me. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it really made them feel good. And I always talked to the class about what we were doing. And that why was really cool. It probably makes them feel proud that they see their teacher trying to get better just like them. Yeah. And we watched the videos, too, after <laughs> we, you know, so they're like, oh, can we do it? No, we cannot. That's <laughs> but you, you were good. Thank you. So, All right. So aside from a 21-year educator, you're also an Army veteran. How yeah. has your military experience influenced your approach in the classroom discipline and management area? Mm, it's influenced my approach um, because I knew to pay attention to detail. That was one of the things that they drilled into us in the Army. Um, and so... I use that in how I structured my classroom environment, like my seating. The, um, the discipline that I was taught in the Army seeped into my classroom because I learned to take care of my own behavioral problems with students instead of calling the office and dealing with administration. Um, so I would have my students join me outside and we would have a conversation, um, just the two of us. And so in the army, you know, if you stood out from the rest of the platoon, you created problems for yourself. So I used that same mentality in my classroom, but I did the exact opposite. So if you did not stand out, I would invite you into the classroom community, asking you a question. Well, I don't know. What, what do you think about this? Um, is this a part of your lived experience? Have you experienced this before? Things like that. So really using my military experience to my advantage in good ways and in even better ways, I think, when I tweak it. So yeah, it sounds like you had to have a versatile communication style. How do you think your experience influenced your approach to different colleagues, students, parents, and things like that while you were while you're in the classroom? Um, funny you should say that. So I can recall a time when I was in basic training and we could call home on Sundays but in my household, my parents, you know, Sundays were all about church all day, church, church, oh, church. <laughs> and so it was hard for me to call home um, because they would still be at church. And we had a designated time in which I had to call them. And so they were never there. I didn't leave a message. And at that time, we didn't have cell phones like we have now. Um, and so my mom got scared and called my drill sergeant. 
she effectively got me in trouble, but she wanted to make sure that I was okay because she hadn't heard from me. And so my drill sergeant, you know, he um, made me go and call my mom immediately. <laughs> and then once I got back from calling her, he checked on me. Your family's good. Everything's good. Yes, drill sergeant. Okay. So you owe me all of this um, uh, physical training activities, oh, push-ups, sit-ups, all of that because your mom called you. Don't ever let that happen again. <laughs> so suffice it to say, I called home every Sunday like I was supposed to. If they weren't there, I left a message and I kept trying to call back within my little time frame because I didn't want that to happen again. Um, but how does that relate to my class? So um, that experience was the foundation for my communication. I wanted to keep parents informed. Um, especially for any good news that occurred in my classroom. I tried to be open and honest with my students and I expected them to do the same with me. So if I wasn't having a good day in class, I would let them know that. Or if I wasn't feeling good, I would let them know that in the hopes that they would do the same with me. Um, and I contacted parents regularly, leaving messages. If I couldn't contact them over the phone, I would email. And then eventually now I text. Uh, parent. So I make sure that I use all of those modalities to ensure that I am really constantly in communication with parents. So can you share how you have fostered teamwork and collaboration with your students, given your experience? Sure. So in the military, you're taught that you are never to go any anywhere alone. You have a battle buddy, you have soldiers in the platoon, it's a, a familial bond between a group of like-minded people that you grow close to. Um, we may disagree and get mad at each other, but at the end of the day, that person has your back and that person could essentially save your life. And so that mentality kind of helped me create the type of classroom community that I have now. Um, we all have something to offer to the community and I helped cultivate that sense of family and brother and sisterhood. Um, the manner in which I planned my classroom um, kind of instilled collaboration, teamwork, and leadership. In the Army, you have various ranks, just like in the other uh, military organizations. So you always had a higher ranked soldier who, would, who you would report to. And so I mimicked that in my classroom by creating class officers in my class to become my leaders in the class. They were effectively my eyes and ears among the students, ensuring that I truly cater to their needs and interests. That's really cool. And it's, it gives a sense of bringing that, like that sense of community to every student, because there's those students that will sit in the back and won't talk, or even the ones that will sit up front and try to be in the corner won't not be noticed. It's very helpful to have a student bring you in as well to, to the conversation to make sure everybody's engaged. It's really cool. Yeah. So can you describe how your background contributed to helping students overcome challenges and persevere through problems they were having? Um, so for some odd reasons, my students always said that, um, 
They could tell that I had been in the military right after I told them that piece of information. They said my mannerisms, my seriousness, and my neat classroom and appearance gave it away. So I don't know about that. Um, but they always think I'm mean because I don't know. I guess I show my feelings on my face. No, um, you just have a standard, right? Like you, yeah. you got expectations. These kids not yeah. used to expectations sometimes. Yeah, but but then a few weeks later they would come back and then Miss Warren, you know, you you act like you're mean, you look like you're mean, but you're really not. You're a softy. We love you. I was like, okay, well, good. I love you too. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mentioned. Um, I mentioned that I joined the military as a 17-year-old junior in high school. Okay. And I had to get my parents' permission and signature. And the Army provided me with my first flight. My, uh, the first time I was away from my family for an extended period of time. And the first time I had to fend for myself. So I met some awesome battle buddies that I still see as lifelong friends. And in spite of all the obstacles that I face, I'm happy that I had that experience. So I, I really try to connect with students using my own experience in the military and how it actually, you know, I'm thankful for that experience and I would do it again if I had the opportunity because it really opened up doors and, and really opened up the world to me, honestly. No, that's like super true. I, it, my mom was in the army and she was um, based in Germany, right? She got to go to Germany for a couple of years. And that's just really, oh, she's I always loved hearing her stories about being over there for Oktoberfest, driving the Audubon and things like that. Yeah. So it's really cool. Uh, how is your military service? So the teacher, your students obviously respect you. And they, like you said, they come out, they come up to you and say, they think you're mean. So you've established a sense of respect and responsibility. How have you done that in your classroom and been able to maintain that over the years? Yeah. So I realized that I would always call my students, Miss Brown or Mr. Black, um, because my military experience left a lasting mark on me. Um, so that showed a level of respect that I gave to my students by calling them, um, being respectful of them as people. But I also developed classroom expectations and we do it together in the classroom. I think that showed a level of responsibility on both of our parts. And then I hold them accountable and myself accountable by going back to the goals that we, they, I drafted at the beginning of the semester or the year to make sure that we're on the right track. So uh, really, you know, giving them voice within the classroom as far as the things that we actually do um, and really being respectful of who they are, knowing that they are humans and we all make mistakes, but I never held that, you know, we, we uh, in our classroom community, we were together at all times. And so I really, really respected them in that manner. Um, well, you, you, you didn't like that lesson. What was wrong with it? How can we fix it? What would be better for the next period? And so I always wanted to hear from them. I like it. I like it. It's, I like seeing, I like hearing these stories and I, we love that you're in the classroom. Now we're getting into the recruitment part of the podcast where I get to ask you a little bit about, first off, we need some teachers in the classroom. So if you had to sell the teaching profession to someone looking to get into it in one to two minutes, 
what would you use as your elevator page? Hmm, let's see. Um, how would you like to affect the future? That means getting to know a group of young people, helping to craft their self-concept and character by teaching what you love in a way that reaches all of your students and uplifts their lived experiences by using various best practices and strategies. You reflect constantly and you lead with love in all that you do, knowing that you are affecting the future. There will be people speaking your name when you are gone, talking about how you have made them feel. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what a teacher is all about. Don't you want to join us? Come on, let me show you how to do that. (laughs) We're going to join the ranks. Right. (laughs) End up in the classroom soon. Yeah. So who was your favorite fictional teacher? You know, I had to think about this question. <laughs> but I finally centered on, believe it or not, um, Professor Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder. Okay. Um, and not because she had her students fear her and admire her, which, you know, going back to how my students knew I was always in the military. (laughs) And I think that was a little fear. Um, So I can relate to her, but she also showed the students the world, or I'm sorry, she showed the students that not only was she, she strong and independent, but the private side of her is that she was sentimental. And again, I can relate to that. Um, with her students, she believed in experiential learning and student leadership and collaboration with her students, especially the ones that she trusted. So um, I can really relate to her. And I love Viola Davis anyway. So, yeah. And I'm a law teacher. So it was a no-brainer after All I started thinking about it. <laughs> All ties together. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So you live in the D.C. area, just like I do. Mm-hmm. What are three restaurants folks should try when visiting out here? Oh, this was a little hard, too. <laughs> but I would say the first one would be Ben's Chili Bowl on U Street, 1213 U Street Northwest. I took a group of students there, heard about the place. I've been here for seven years, uh, finally visited with a group of students, and I fell in love with the atmosphere with the people um, and the food, of course, was wonderful. So definitely recommend Ben's Chili Bowl on U Street. Um, I'll say number two, True Lux Ocean's Finest Seafood and Crab, um, 700 K Street Northwest. They have the best crab fried rice I've ever had. Well, the only crab fried rice, but it was so delicious. Like you really should try it. A beautiful atmosphere. It had music playing. The ambiance was nice. And then lastly, um, I had to go with a no-brainer RPM Italian DC, 650 K Street Northwest. I saw the pictures of our former president there and his wife, and I said, you know what? I want to go. So I went, and I feel like I sat almost near where they sat. So, But the food was awesome. yeah, yeah. Three places oh. you should try. Those are the three places. Yes, Ben's Chili Bowl, Little Piece of Black History, and yeah. RPM. I had their lobster tortellini not too long ago, and it was amazing. Oh, 
We have a feature on the podcast called the Shoulder Tap. Like you, your mentor Shoulder Tap even got you into the process. It's when you give somebody a tap on the shoulder and let them know they're ready to become National Board Certified. On here, you're going to give them a quick shout out, and then we're going to encourage them on social media and different channels to go through the process. So, Ms. Shalina Warren, who are you you shoulder tapping? I am actually shoulder tapping two individuals. Adrienne Glasgow, she's one of my social studies colleagues at Dunbar High School in Washington, D.C., Um, And my best friend from Arkansas, Larissa Davis, who is a former social studies teacher, now a librarian in Pine Bluff School District in Arkansas. So ladies, you have been tapped. Love it. Look out for those messages. Selena Warren, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Selena was awesome. Really cool stories about her experience in the United States Army. So many different things she could use in her classroom. I want to thank her again for joining me on the podcast and thank you for listening to National Board Conversations. Be sure to follow us on social media for National Board-related information, and we'll see you next time.